and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our friends at Ditchwitch. Hey, this is Outdoors Dan, and did you guys know that Bass Edge Television is on two networks right now? I can't believe it either. They're on Wild TV in Canada, and they're on the Versus Network now, all the way through June of 2008. My co-host Aaron Martin is right alongside. Aaron, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. Got a good show for you tonight, folks. We're going to be talking with Kurt Dove, and I know you got a lot of nice things to say about Mr. Kurt. You know, Kurt is not only a great guy, he's a great angler, and looking forward to uh, kind of hitting some of that tidal water up on the, on the Potomac. Yeah, you know, a lot of history up there, too. Boy, there is. There's a tremendous amount of history. Yeah, we talked about that, and we'll get into more of that later in the podcast. But you know what, folks? It's all right here on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Uh oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that son of a gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Well, I got to tell you, I'm excited. I got a news flash over the AP wire at the TV station. It said, Cyclone hits Oklahoma. 700 people in attendance, and I'm going, ah! And then I looked at it and said, it's uh, the Ditch Witch premiere of Bass Edge, so I, I didn't even get an invitation. I'm really upset oh, about it. you did, too. I'm really upset about that. You, you were chasing a deer around, I think. Oh, but, but uh, no, really, you're exactly right. I mean, it was totally exceeded everybody's expectation, and it was kind of the premiere of, of uh, you know, the season two uh, opening of Bass Edge on the Versus and Wild TV Network, so just a great, great time. You know, they put it out there for uh, all their employees, and and team members uh, and and they were gracious hosts. We had just a ton of kids. I mean, I just could not believe Dan. Uh, and that's really what the our sport is about. You know, it's about getting those kids involved in a lot of good activities. Gave away a lot of great things. So it was it was just really really neat to be involved with. Yeah, I bet it was. I wish I would have been there. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> uh, hey, this podcast, folks, we're going to be covering some of the most frustrating fishing there is out there, and it's tidal fishing. And I have not done this. I haven't had the opportunity to go on the coast at all. But I just know people that absolutely go, they love this type of, they love watching the moon phases, the tidal changes. But it can be some of the most frustrating fishing out there. You know, Dan, and that brings up a good point because it's it's hard to believe, but that actually changes, you know, every six hours. And last year in season one, we got to experience it on the Hudson again with Kurt Dove. Well, this year we, we did a little bit different. We headed up to uh, Prince William County there in Virginia, put in at Lee Sylvania State Park, which is really kind of right in the middle of, of the happenings of the Potomac River. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a great interview. I know on the show uh, we've got a lot of great things to talk about concerning tidal water. Oh, absolutely. Now, did you guys hook up on any uh, ironclads or any other Civil War stuff floating around the We river? did. Uh, we actually, in a couple of the areas that we were fishing, uh, filmed, uh, you know, what they did was actually just basically ran these these ships into a lot of them sunk out in the middle but a lot of them were also ran into kind of the backwaters and they just parked them and set them on fire and you can still see a lot of those uh, uh remains that are you know still there right there on the on the did the they have little floating plaques that said historical marker no no believe it or not they didn't <laughs> but i can tell you one thing you'll sure know it if you hit one with your bass boat <laughs> oh i can imagine yeah there goes the tra- there goes the lower unit there yep, yep. yeah that's crazy well folks we got to run and take a commercial when we get back we're going to be listening to Mr. Kurt Dove right here on the Edge. 
You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge, and joining us is one of our more than veteran, I should say, Kurt. That is Kurt Dove, uh, who is our tidal water expert. Kurt, uh, thanks so much for being on The Edge again. Thanks, Aaron. You know, it's it's, uh, it's great to be back and uh, talking more uh, about tidal fishing. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, that, And that is one of the things that I think a lot of us uh, don't get exposure to. So we're going to kind of go into a little more detail so that those of us that don't get a lot of that experience can uh, can take some from that. So what have you been up to, Kurt? Um, not a whole bunch. Um, you know, it's been a, a busy, a busy season for me up to this point. Um, you know, we just, uh, I just got back from Perry, Oklahoma and, uh, went, went out with, uh, went out there for the premiere and, and, uh, spent some time at a ditch wish with you and uh, a couple of the other anglers that uh, are affiliated with the show. So, uh, it's been real exciting and, and really busy. Yeah. It, you know, and this is the time of year to where, you know, based upon where you're at, in the country that you can start getting getting a little cabin fever but uh you know there's plenty of fish to be caught and still uh kind of getting that itch so there's a lot of trade shows a lot of great stuff going on but you know taking that back to when you and i spent some time together we had the opportunity to fish the potomac of uh, a river system of which i had never spent any time on right. uh, can you kind of set the stage for us to be able to elaborate you know on that day that we got to spend on the water sure aaron um, you know, we, we had, uh, anticipated getting out there, you know, in, in a, in a prime time for a great topwater frog bite, uh, throwing the snag proof frogs or the, or the spro type frogs on top of the, uh, matted, uh, vegetation, the hydrilla and milfile that's so prolific on the Potomac River. Um, interestingly enough, when, when we got there, we, we, uh, taped the show in, in the first week of July and, um, we went out there with the notion, and based on history, we should have got a couple of really good frog bites and, and had a great show on top, but uh, things changed. Sure, and, sure. And we had to adjust with uh, the conditions that, that we were dealt with, and, you know, it's really important as a fisherman to go out there and have an idea of, of something to start with. You know, you've got to have uh, some kind of notion, and uh, based on the history of the, of the body of water, and based on, you know, a little bit of your history of fishing and what you like to do. Well, I, I agree, you know, and, and one of your recommendations when we started that and, and preparing for that trip, we launched right there at Leesylvania State Park, which is really kind of right in the middle. So you gave us enough flexibility to be able to go in either direction, you know, if, if we kind of broke it down to where it was more of a location thing. But it is very important to start, you know, pick a, a bait, a location, start somewhere, and then build upon that. Because how many times in your tournament day or just in your fishing day, you know, things don't always go as planned. It, it's more often than not that they don't go as planned. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. And uh, I think, you know, probably one of the most important things that we did is uh, to go ahead and, and start off with some of those ideas that we had um, that we thought would be really productive. And that was that topwater frog bite. Uh, I think we probably fished it for three hours or so and, and had a couple blow-ups. Uh, we caught a few fish on it. and um, But really, it we we were able to recognize that, you know, these fish are not reacting to what we're presenting. And uh, that was a key time when we had to adjust. Sure. 
Well, and, and the downside to you know to the television aspect of it is is you know we're we're really given thirty minutes to to try and communicate the happenings of of, of the course of that eight hour day. So you know unfortunately that is one of the, the benefits of uh, through the DVDs that you'll be able to see some of those that extended footage of of you know making those adjustments and those moves. But bottom line is when you made that call to basically move you know during that high tide situation and and I forget the name of the creek but but we went back and and remember that we fished that edge we pulled into that creek channel where you started out with that crankbait and then we started flipping and that's really where you started getting those dialed in exactly we had we had fished that frog bite on a, on an incoming tide and then again you know we we noticed that we needed to make an adjustment to to have some better success and we went back instead of fishing on some of the main river and main creek channels we went back into some of the little little feeder creeks, and uh, the one in particular that we went into had an outstanding edge of hydrilla, and that water was starting to come out, and the tide was starting to flow out very strong, and we keyed on the edge of that hydrilla where those fish were moving from the flooded cover on a, on a high tide basis, whereas now it was becoming low tide, and those fish were moving to that edge, becoming very vulnerable. And like you said, we, we started, we located some of those fish with a faster moving bait. Uh, I think we caught uh, a couple fish on a baby one minus. Yeah, uh, you were throwing small, that, right? uh, yeah, that, that lemon shad color, I think. That's correct. That's exactly right. And we located an area where we thought, you know, fish were, were starting to congregate in. Uh, you, you picked up... Uh, a Texas rig bait, I think uh, sweet beaver, right, right. and uh, we also caught a few fish on a on a speed crawl, and it was Katie bar the door. Yeah, I know. It was amazing at how quickly things changed, and that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. Is you know, do you feel that that was more? Was it more about the location in that creek of where we were at, or just the fact of of having that defined edge and and with what the tide was doing? It was a combination of both, really. I think the the edge and the and the tide falling. We put both aspects in at the right time, and uh, the the way we were able to do that was because we kept adjusting until we found the right condition in the right spot. And uh, and finally, when we got up on that hydrilla edge, we were able to recognize exactly what was going on, and because the tide was falling and the creek channel bend that offered those fish a little bit deeper water. It provided that sanctuary there, whereas they were they were just filtering into a place where we were waiting for them to come to. And uh, that's why the, the bite started off a little bit slow once we got in that area, but we were able to recognize the, the fish movement. And then once the tide got lower and lower and lower, we caught more fish, and, and then it was fish after fish after fish. Right, and it was like, it you know, you could bed. not imagine the amount of fish that was in that that creek channel i mean and we're talking about an area what kurt i mean how how big would you describe kind of that that pocket there with that creek channel i would say the key stretch was about a hundred yards but once the tide started to get really low it was about a 30 or 40 yard stretch and hard to say aaron how many fish are were in that particular spot but i would venture to say you know, over 50 fish, right. uh, you know, we're, we're utilizing maybe 100 fish. You know, they say you catch maybe maybe two or, or, or four out of 10 fish that are, that are in a particular location. And, and the way the action was so fast there, once, once all the conditions met to be prime time, um, it really ended up being just fish after fish after fish. Yeah, because and, they, were, they were eating. Uh, I think, you know, it was a situation. And, and maybe you could clarify that for us. What happens? I mean, what is taking place? Why is it when that tide went low, in your opinion, why do those fish turn on like that? 
I think it's a two-pronged, two-pronged uh, process that happens. First, you get the bait fish, and that's the key ingredient that's, that's moving off the top of the hydrilla beds because the, the tide is lowering. So they're continuing to keep in, in a safe uh, zone, which is the edge. Once that tide goes low, they're staying uh, close to the edge. And then the bass know that that's where those fish move. You know, it happens twice a day, and they're used to making that migra- migration from uh, inside the grass to the edge of the grass to, to prey on, on that bait. Um, and, you know, we also caught a, a, you caught a great big catfish there as yeah, well. Yeah, which was the, really kind of out in the middle. And that just shows that all, you know, these fish, all of these species of fish are utilizing the same feeding areas and moving some of the same, making some of the same migrational routes because that's where that bait is. And that is that key thing and the key ingredient to bringing those fish to a particular area. And that's because, you know, the dinner bell is going off because the tide is low and and those fish are those bait fish are utilizing the outside edge and some of the deep water areas in in that tidal creek. Well, and, and another aspect that, you know, just, I mean, that is really my second tidal system. Of course, I got to fish with you last year when we fished the Hudson. But, right. you know, looking at, at that particular area and those areas that we were targeting throughout the course of that day, bottom line is, from an angler's viewpoint, when that tide is going down, there's less water to target as well. And you start seeing things that you don't ordinarily see when the, when the tide is high. That is correct. Uh, we started to see a couple of bluegill beds um, where some fish were, were uh, you know, trying to prey on some bluegill. And again, you know, it, just as you, you commented to, the volume of water is the big key. You know, if you're in a bathtub and it's foot deep, you're going to see, uh, you're going to be able to see the bottom a lot more than when it's three feet or four feet deep and you've got it filled all the way to the top. Exactly. Um, and, and the reason that is, is, again, just the sheer volume of water. Those fish don't have as many places to roam, and uh, when the tide is low, it brings them to um, a much more predictable area. Well, in river hard. systems in general, you know, you're, you're thinking, when you think of a river system, it's, you're, you're thinking of moving water, of things that happen. And, you know, certainly when you throw the tide into that situation, and also given the, the time of year that we were at in July, I mean, how important is that moving water, that, that water circulation, you know, for that time of year? Well, it's very vital. Um, you know, that, that moving water is creating more oxygen. It's creating um, a little bit of cooler temperatures because of the movement of it more versus a, a stagnant water type situation. So uh, those fish are seeking out those areas, the higher oxygen content, uh, you know, that water's moving through their gills a lot more, and, and as well with the bait fish, you know, they're, they're moving by and uh, utilizing that current just like the, like the bass are, and or plankton and, and their, their bits of, uh, you know, feeding habitat as well. Sure. And specific to the Potomac, I mean, is that an area that, you know, obviously, as, as we saw, you know, it's very easy to, to navigate as long as you just pay attention to what's going on, but is that an area that you like to target some of the creeks and the backwaters, or do you stay out on the main channel? You know, I, I like to do both. Uh, we caught a couple fish out on the main channel, and there's some neat cover and structure that you can fish out on the main channel. But really, it's part of the seasonal patterns. Um, generally, on the Potomac and, and many tidal situations, when these fish are, are starting that spawn cycle, and, and on the Potomac, it's April and May, um, they like to get back in the creeks and, and back into eddy areas where there's not as much current so mm-hmm. that they can spawn more successfully. So I think in that particular time frame, we had a lot of migration going on where 
where some fish are, are staying in the middle of those high current situations because the, the better oxygen content, like we talked about, and also uh, the better bait fish, uh, you know, the, is more prevalent in those, those faster-moving water situations. So the, the water movement is very key. To, to the location of these fish, especially in the summertime when, you, when you're having a little bit warmer water conditions. And, and speaking of water movement, how do you find out the, the tides and, and when those are? I know you say every six hours, you know, that's, that's taking place. But, right. you know, if you're not from that area to where you're paying attention to what's going on each day, are there resources of which you can go to to find out those tide systems yeah. or charts? NOAA, NOAA, which is the National Oceanographic uh, Administration, it's NOAA.com. If you go to their website, you can find the tidal charts for anywhere in the United States. Um, any, any little river system that, that comes in off of the coast that, that has a tide, it will be depicted on their website, and you can go to specific tide stations. Let's say, for instance, we're talking about the Potomac. They will give you eight or nine different tidal stations where the, where the tide is measured. So you can see where it's maybe at the mouth of the river at a given time, it's, it's high tide. And, and uh, if you run up the river about 45 or 50 minutes, it might be almost low tide. Uh, so they give you that information so that you can plan your trips uh, in accordance with, you know, that best time frame to fish, which is generally the last two hours of outgoing and the first two hours of incoming. So then in between time, let's say, I mean, obviously you've spoke about this before. You and I have had multiple conversations that you want to be in your best areas, um, you know, during those two times that you just depicted. What happens to, you know, the other time? You know, what, what are you trying to do? How, how can you get fish to respond? Well, you know, I think that you need to continue to obviously fish hard. Um, you're not going to get the bites, but, you know, the bites that you get on a higher tide situation should really key you into maybe a higher concentration of fish in a particular area. So you want to continue to fish hard and uh, fish as, as effectively as you can. Um, the fish might get up into the cover a little bit more, and you might you may want to utilize uh, you know some Texas rig type baits or baits you can really dunk into some heavy cover uh, on the Potomac. Of course, we talk a lot about the matted vegetation uh, because in the summertime it's so prolific it almost chokes out any type of bank uh, laydowns uh, or or those types of covers that you you would see maybe on another tidal river situation. So on a high tide, you want to get far into the, the cover, maybe the inside edge of the grass, you know, while the water is really high, or, or the trees that are overhanging on the bank that are flooded when the tide is high. And uh, utilizing, typically it's harder to get a reaction bait into those areas, so a lot of times they like to pitch and flip those types of pieces of cover. And uh, you can use um, a spinner bait if applicable, but a lot of times, like I said, it's hard to use a reaction type bait in some of those types of situations. Well, that's great stuff. And, you know, Kurt, in our in our closing minute or two here, um, you know, any any last, you know, kind of parting words uh, concerning tidal water or, you know, what uh, what you're going to be up to uh, in the upcoming 08 season? Sure. Uh, the last thing I like to say, you know, about anglers fishing tidal water is to be patient. Um, understand uh, what the tidal situations are. You don't just want to launch your boat and just start fishing because, if you get into those types of situations, you're just really defeating the purpose of understanding the tides to put it into your benefit. So do a little bit of research, understand the tides. That's going to give you a lot of more success in the, in the future on fishing the tide water. And you can certainly, a great starting point is uh, the NOAA uh, website. 
That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. And I do know that uh, this week will be coming out. Uh, I think Steve Brigman has an, an an article specific to tidal water fishing. So uh, all of this will will work together. And Kurt, I just want to you know say thanks for your time and appreciate uh, man what a what a great trip and and uh, wish you the best of luck in the upcoming 08 season. We'll look forward to uh, where you and I will be venturing next year for uh, for the filming season. Great. That sounds good, Arian. And, and everybody can check me out. I'll be fishing the Bass Elite Series this year and also fishing uh, the northern division of the Strens. So uh, looking forward to an exciting year and, and hopefully another successful one out there uh, competing in the tournament circuit. Yeah, you're going to have a busy schedule. And certainly also people can uh, email you directly uh, at Prostaff at BassEdge.com. Get any questions that you have specific to Kurt or title systems, uh, right. kind of his whereabouts, and uh, we'll go from there. Outstanding. All right. Best of luck, Kurt. Thank you, Aaron. Second season bass elite angler, Kurt Dove, and I guess why the reason I think I enjoy him so much is that he's still down to earth. He is, um, you know, and, and he's just a lot of fun. And I, I really think, you know, speaking, kind of switching gears a little bit into the tournament scene, you know, that, that's a guy that is really just starting to get some legs under him. And, and I think you're going to see a lot, of, a lot out of him. And I think he demonstrated that, you know, by being a gracious host and, and having us up on the Potomac River and, and really going into detail on those, those tidal fluctuations and how to catch those fish. Yeah. Kind of funny that you guys were trying top water frogs and stuff, and then you had to change tactics midway through. Well, you know that was uh, we almost waited too long, but you know talking about both of us spending some time prior to um, me actually joining him up there, you know, I was, I was kind of asking, probing him a little bit. What do you think the bite's going to be? What do you think the bite's going to be? And and we were just both dead set and both agreed on that. You know, we really felt that there should be a topwater bite going on around that vegetation and those things. And, you know, we, we had a couple bites, caught a couple fish, but uh, bottom line is that was not the deal. We had to end up changing tactics, and I think, you know, I as an angler grew out of that. I know he did, but sometimes you can get so boxed in into doing one thing that if you don't make those changes, it could make the difference between a successful day or going in with, with absolutely nothing. Yeah, and it's funny that you found them on the grasslands. You know, I don't care where you go fishing in the United States. If you can find a grass weed line or whatever, you're going to find fish. Yeah, and, and he said that. I mean, the funny thing was when we were idling out of the buoys that morning, he said, you know, we will be targeting a grass. And he made the comment, where, you, where there's grass, there's bass. And finally, you know, that's what we did. We had to move back into that, that smaller creek channel. Uh, right there where it actually, you had a small creek channel coming into a major creek channel. So it was kind of right on a bend, and there was a very defined edge and then also a ditch. And when that low tide started coming out, um, you know, we just picked up uh, up the flipping sticks and those soft plastics. I actually did catch, you know, some on Kirk caught a few on uh, on that square built crankbait. But bottom line, you know, flipping those that speed crawl and uh, those soft plastics that that was the ticket. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny too. Low tide positions the fish in that interview. That and then don't you find that most anywhere, especially like here in the Midwest, you get into those lower body water areas. Uh, whether it's a slough in a river or if it's a, if it's a uh, a little funnel or a creek back or back creek and you know, off a main lake, you're going to find fish usually piled in there. No question. And you know, like Kurt had mentioned during the program and then during his interview, you know, that time of year, you know, which was I think we were up there uh, right in, during the July, you know, right in the the heat of the summer. Moving water is very important from an oxygenation standpoint. You know, putting oxygen into the water, um, but also in a, in a tidal situation, what happens is you know that that tide fluctuates and, and that segment during that show we actually went back to an area that we fished during high tide came back to it in low tide to see if that made a difference obviously it did but just by the water level on the bank you know those fish have a tremendous amount of more water 
of which they can move around in and scatter. You know, a low tide, when that's moving out, does a couple things. A, it provides less water for them and less area for them to spread out in, but it also it's going to concentrate them on, you know, breaks, uh, current breaks where the bait's coming by, ambush points, and they're just a lot, of, a lot easier, I should say, uh, to target and, and define where those areas are. Plus, uh, that's normally when they go into an active feeding mode just because of the movement of the bait fish. Mm-hmm. And what did you guys do to stay weedless in that? Uh, we just rigged it Texas style, you know, just actually brought on that soft plastic. Uh, we, we did peg that sinker, meaning holding that our bullet sinker, that tungsten sinker, down against the hook. We just used a, a little rubber bead uh, that held it uh, tight down against that. But then you just bring, you know, just that wide gap hook. Uh, you rig it Texas style and then just skin hook it right back into the bait. That way that hook does not, uh, you know, snag on any of the weeds or anything like that. Okay, overall opinion of the Potomac? Oh, fantastic. I mean, I, I would encourage anyone to, to get up there and, and just experience that. And the, and the main thing, like Kurt said, take advantage of that NOAA website that uh, um, where you can pull those title charts from and try and, when you go out during the day, try and time you know, your fishing, um, I guess, experience around those, the, that title movement because that's, chances are that's when you're going to have the most success. Not that you won't catch fish during you know, a high tide, but when that tide starts coming in, or going out, that's when things really start happening. Absolutely. Hey, what's the uh, parasites like out there? I mean, are they having any problems like we are up in the northern uh, northern states? Or? You know, that's a good question. I don't know exactly, but I can tell you we did not see any signs of that, um, you know, while we were there. That's good. Um, yeah. yeah and for a river system, that's very good. Yeah, but definitely, you know, go, go see our friends up there. We made met a lot of great people. I know you know, suit up there, took very good care of us. Leesylvania State Park was a, just a great, has a great facility, easy to get in and out of. Um, you know, go check it out. Yeah, well, it's always neat to see what's going on in different parts of the country. Yes. All right, folks, we need to take a short break. When we come back, it's going to be time to go inside the edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. All right, we are back on the edge and joining us to go into more detail on something that's just right around the corner, and that is sight fishing. James Nigemeyer, James, welcome uh, welcome to the edge. Thank you so much, Aaron. Uh, it's always wonderful to, to be working with you guys at Bass Edge, and I really believe in, in everything that uh, you guys are doing there. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. You know, one of the things, James, that you got into and elaborated on uh, in this, this week's television show, and that's the topic of sight fishing. And it's hard to believe, but, uh, you know, really we're, we're almost approaching that pre-spawn situation, depending, obviously, on where you are. Uh, geographically, but but that's something that's just right around the corner. It really is. You know, in the way south part of the country, say Florida, and then moving forward as, as the year progresses, coming into March and April, and then May, as you go all the way up north, it'll just kind of spread like a wildfire as that water temperature warms up. Those fish will take that cue and, and really start moving in the bank and looking for those, those shallow flats and pockets like that that are really... Uh, are warming fastest and, and hold that water temperature warm for a time. So when you know when we're talking about sight fishing, um, maybe you could set the stage on you know a what do you look for? What are some of the do's and don'ts uh, to, to you know for, for anglers to be able to improve their skill set specific to sight fishing? Well, you know a lot of times people think that sight fishing is just fishing for fish on bed, but I but you can also catch some of these fish that are cruising that are just moving up that are suspended around 
whatever kind of cover, whether it's a boat dock or a tree or something like that. So initially, what you want to do is find points or pockets with a and with flat water, with flat areas that are more protected from a north wind or from areas that are get really hammered by a cold front. More, more shelter areas that uh, aren't going to be as, as hit as hard with a, with a really bad cold front. Now, is that because, uh, is that more from a protection standpoint after the water warms up, or is that because that, that is the, those are the areas that the water warms up first, or maybe a combination of the both? It's a combination of both. You're, these are going to be the areas that warm first, as well as they're going to be the most consistent areas. Those those areas that have a little bit warmer water, and it may just be a degree or two or even a half a degree or two warmer than other areas. And they're just going to be able to maintain that population of fish longer, and they're going to be the, the areas that, that pull the fish fastest and earliest in the year. And, and then it'll progress throughout the lake as the water continues to warm. But it, it's, a safe, it's a safe bet to go in and look for some of the areas that, that are sheltered from a north wind or, or just more protected so those fish don't get run off by a really by just a brief cold front or some north winds that come through. You know, and, and, and in talking about water temperature, also something else that really comes into play that you had, had discussed a little bit is, you know, some of the moon phases and, and working around those, those solar lunar tables. So when those two things start coming together and, you know, you've, you've found these isolated areas that, and these pockets that are holding these fish, you know, what is kind of the next step, I guess, if you will, for targeting these bass? Well, you know, when you get into a situation when the water temperature is in, in the high 50s to 60s, and you get a, a really good moon phase, like it's starting three-quarters full and, and starting towards a full moon, you, you can really hit a, a very magical point in the springtime. And, and basically, you know, you want to look, at, look for these flatter areas that also have ditches or, or creeks or in, in some of your highland reservoirs, you'll have, you know, a kind of a creek arm that kind of feeds something that can draw some fish from the main lake and just keep replenishing fish as the water continues to warm. And then these flats and areas with some protected cover, whether it's a boat dock or a standing tree or some type of rocky shoreline structure, but you want to have areas that the fish can set up and move in and um, and, and prepare to, to build these nests and, and begin the spawning ritual. What's some of your favorite baits, you know, for targeting these fish? My favorite lures, I really, there's a bunch of different lures you can throw, so many different soft plastic variations, but my favorite would have to be uh, uh, Strike King 2, uh, Strike King 0, those, those, they're basically a soft stick bait, those things are wonderful, and any time, any type of lizard or small soft plastic creature bait, those are, those are baits you want to, you want to fish around the beds, and, and you want to, might want to vary the weight on those, sometimes they want a little faster drop, sometimes they don't want any weight at all. And uh, and then also as well, carry a bunch of shapes and sizes as well and colors. Some fish aren't going to be as uh, as apt to go for some lures and, and some colors as they will others. So, you know, have a bunch on hand and try Keep switching them up until you find something that the fish really like. So in our last closing minute, James, you know, are you often, are you setting, actually looking at the fish when you're sight fishing for these, or are you making blind cast, or how does that work? Sometimes you have to gauge the fish. Sometimes you can move in right in there, and you can pretty well get to a place where you can look at them and visually see everything. Other times you may you may see a fish and it might get spooked off, so you have to kind of circle back around and maybe give it time to move back into the shallows and set back up. And you may have may never see the fish again, but you kind of get a, you may gauge by a little land where that fish was. And then you may have to make a long presentation from a distance to try to get that fish to bite. Some of those fish are going to be more skittish. Others are going to be a lot more aggressive. And, and you just kind of have to watch their body movement 
and watch the way they react to your boat presence and, and the angler presence as well. And, and uh, that, that'll give you a good clue to um, how to fish for those fish. Well, and, and the beauty part about that is, James, you know, if, if you mess up on one, uh, chances are that time of year when all this starts unfolding, you're going to have plenty of other opportunities to, to learn from maybe the mistake that was made there to go on to another one, you know, and try a little different technique. So uh, bottom you line, bet. you know, and, until you mess up, you, you know, you may not always uh, – Figure it out right off right off the bat, but it's it's something you got to keep trying. And it's really fun because you know you get to you get to actually see what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. So it's it's a little different than most of your fishing. A lot of times you don't know what you're doing wrong because you don't get a bite and you really don't know. Well, if there's just fish not in the area, or they are they there? They're just not taking my offering. But side fishing, it's a little different game. It's it's a, it keeps it interesting. You know, James, for our listeners who maybe have questions uh, concerning specific to sight fishing or just any question for that matter, uh, how how can they? Get a question to you. You can go to BassEdge.com and click on the pro staff at BassEdge.com, and, and you're able to send an email and, and send your questions my way. And I'd love to hear from a lot of listeners and uh, answer any questions that I can. Well, fantastic, James. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but uh, I think we're going to hear from you again next week on, on one of the other topics that you'll be talking about on next week's show. So uh, be careful. And in the meantime, we'll look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you so much, Aaron. It was fun. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Aaron, that was a pretty insightful inside edge. Uh, how, do you know Mr. James pretty well? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he was involved with us last year. He's playing a, a major role with a lot of the inside edge segments through the television show. So, uh, you know, just a great angler. Again, he's going into his second season on the Elite Tour, and, and man, he had lights out on the first year. So it'll be fun to watch him. You yeah, know, watch there you him go. This year. Hey, folks, uh, you know, normally on the podcast over the last uh, seven, eight months, we usually do a uh, question and a giveaway. Now, the product giveaways have moved to the website, but coming here in a few weeks, we're going to be taking a few on and uh, giving you some insight here on the podcast. Now, we do have a good question for you, um, and I think Aaron was really uh, happy with this question, so he wanted to throw that in on this week's podcast, and it is, when can I start throwing a swim bait pre-spawn or wait until summer, Aaron? And that's from David from Connecticut. Yeah, uh, David, I mean, that's a great question because I think too many times we get boxed into, well, you know, you can only throw topwater, let's say, of the morning or swim baits, uh, you know, during spawn or, or things like that. And it really got to me to thinking outside of the box, and I probed uh, Pete Pond for some feedback on this as well. But I definitely thought it was, you know, it was a great question to cover on the podcast. Con you know, concerning swim baits, definitely do not wait until summer. I mean, it is a very effective bait uh, during pre-spawn, and it's a bait that really I try and employ year-round. Um, normally, you know, I consider if the fish are, are chasing chasing bait you know no doubt that it works so one suggestion you know that i do have if, if it's a new technique you know that you're really which it sounds like it is that you're really trying to kind of get your arms around um go out and fish with that 
that swim bait for a couple days and commit to it so that you can figure out how it works over changing conditions, different water clarities, uh, different areas of the body of water. I think you said you were fishing a private lake uh, there in Connecticut of about 5,000 acres. That's plenty of room to get out there and experiment with it. Plus, it's close, so it's something that you can do you know, after work or something like that. But uh, bottom line is, you know, you throw it. You reel it very slow and then hang on because that's what they're going to do. And, and if you feel that fish coming up behind it, just bumping it, uh, it's, it's getting ready to eat it. Normally on about that third bump, uh, they'll hook up with it. So great, great question, and uh, best of luck, David. Yeah, there you go. Folks, if you'd like to be part of this or get inside the, uh, the Internet or whatever we're doing in the Bass Edge world, uh, just go to ProStaff at BassEdge.com, and it will answer that on the web or maybe right here on the podcast. Just stay tuned for more details. But ProStaff at BassEdge.com. Aaron, we're out of time. Yep. Hard it, to believe. It's going crazy. Now, we're going to be talking with uh, your, one of your good buddies, Boyd Duckett, next week on Bass Edge TV. And you guys are down at Lake Eufaula? That's correct. We head, uh, head to Lake Eufaula, and uh, we're going to be up to about our ankles in, in lily pads. So we're, yeah. we're going shallow. It's yeah, you're going shallow. on those lily monster pads. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah. I, I, lily I, I, monster. There we go. Yeah, they're just scary. <laughs> that's right. All right, we'll see you next time right here on The Edge. He's Aaron Martin. I'm Outdoors Dan. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, V&W Trailer Hitches, MegaWare Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.